Empire. MJ has hit the NFT marketplace. These guys today play about 75% of the game. And I'm talking about the biggest stars in the league. And I think the digital demand, which didn't exist, as you pointed out, uh, in the Jordan era, I think all of this takes a toll on these guys. That's Mark Vansel, founder and CEO of Rare Air Media, who is releasing a set of unique digital collectibles from Michael Jordan's career. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Michael Jordan is an omnipresent icon of sports, but in recent years, we've seen more of him publicly with his rubber-stamped documentary, The Last Dance, and other public forays back into big-time sports. His latest venture is sharing memories of some of his greatest moments as NFTs. Our guests this week are Mark Bansell, who's the founder and the CEO of Rare Air Media, and Sarah Lent, who's the CMO of VSA Partners, and they have combined to announce a partnership that will sell an exclusive series of Michael Jordan digital assets from the Rare Air catalog. So we're going to talk about a legend in new media and new collectibles. Hi, Mark. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being on. Uh, Mark, let me start with you. Um, What are, as specific as you can be, what are the series of Michael Jordan digital assets that will be offered? So we, we, um, I've I've done all of Michael's books um, over the years, going back to 1993. So when he retired, it looked like he was going to retire for good after the Bulls won their sixth title. We we did a big book program and did all kinds of ancillary products. I mean, we did stuff for McDonald's. We did, we did all kinds of things. And along the way, I just thought, you know, we had like a little uh, cash of money and I wanted to do something that, that really was kind of a piece of art, but very intimate. Um, and so he agreed to sign, you know, to write the, there, there are four of them, each, each thematically, uh, each, each has a separate theme, and Michael wrote what he thought about the image or the art that we created, and, um, and then added a comment on each one. So, for example, um, one is called Flying, and so I said, okay, everyone asks you all the time, can you fly? Well, how do you answer? And he said, well, I always say, for a little while. But it was in his own hands. And, you know, in the world we live in now, and now more than ever, I, I just think there's something really intimate about uh, about a person's real handwriting. And then he signed him, you know, so he wrote what he thought about that this image and signed him. And we copyrighted this rare air collection. And um, and we've had, you know, this is this is what we're going, going to use. And we're also going to do other others. I mean, Michael's. This just happens to be, uh, we've done a lot of books, so we have a lot of assets. So this just happens to be the first, first run this way. Sarah, take me, uh, Sarah, take me through your idea of this partnership and, um, how you kind of see this new space where you have a legendary figure whose career is in a digital marketplace. How did you guys kind of look at this? 
Right. So thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been looking in the world of NFTs and tokenization and as brand leaders trying to make sure that we stay at the forefront of how brands and content creators and artists will be able to connect with their audiences and their communities with new emergent web free technology. And um, we've developed a strategic partnership with a leading blockchain company here in San Francisco called Ripple, a fantastic company that is, you know, innovating their own crypto XRP ledger, ensuring that it, um, you know, remains carbon neutral, ensuring that all transactions of NFTs on their ledger have no harm to the environment. And so when we solidified this strategic partnership and we wanted to bring, you know, creators and artists and brands alike onto the ledger to create NFTs and experiences for new audiences to engage with these, you know, individuals or companies. Mark and Rare Air Media and the work that he's done with Michael Jordan was at the very top of our list. And we, you know, are fortunate enough to have a relationship with Mark and to talk to him about how we would be able to elevate this content in a new medium and connect with audiences in a fundamentally different way and to help bring the stories, the intimate stories that Mark knows about Michael Jordan to life um, and to allow people to, I guess, get to know the man behind the magic a little bit, the way that Mark knows. And so we started to ideate and brainstorm about what this could be and the um intimacy is quite special and you know we we don't we can't give away too much because it will be launching in the coming months um but it is quite a unique asset that we want to bring to the world in a in a fundamentally engaging but long-lasting way as NFTs can truly be. Uh, Mark, I want to. I just want to ask you something specific about Michael Jordan, and then I want to get back kind of broadly about w- what's happening here and in the space. But um, I, I just, as an outsider and obviously a, a humongous sports fan and a sports broadcaster, um, he came off to me for years as being, even though as popular and globally iconic as he was, as kind of guarded. And that seemingly has changed here over the last couple of years. He allowed for the last dance to be made, and he's been a little more outspoken mm-hmm. politically. And so it, it, has something changed as Michael Jordan has matured a little bit that he wants to share more of himself with the world? I think he was, I think he was always unusually mature and, and from this standpoint. So that, that's a great observation. You're right. It has changed as he has changed, right? It's gotten... He's almost 60 years old now. But when he was younger, there was a situation where a couple of Nike executives flew out to see him and said, hey, you know what? Nike's ripping you off. Um, there's this much money. We're gonna, you should make your own shoe. We can manufacture it. We'll design it. On and on and on. And the numbers were astounding. And David Falk, who was his agent at the time, flew in with his mother and sat down, mother and father, I think, and sat down with Michael and said, what are you doing? Yeah, this is crazy. And gave him all the business and every other rationalization why this is a great deal. And to Michael's credit, you know, for people to say, oh, he's a gambler. He didn't gamble. He un- he listened and he understood it. And that's where he, he stayed. And that deal has made him... God knows how much money. I mean, I remember back 
15, 20 years ago, and people would say, yeah, Michael makes about $30 million off the court. He made $30 million off the court by April, <laughs> you know, and the numbers were so far out of line with reality. And it wasn't for me to, to, to uh, write about it or tell anybody about it, but it's just, he's, he's really thoughtful and he's really smart. And I'm, I am really glad to see him taking these political positions and he's doing a lot with his money that people never hear about. He's not that kind of guy. And, um, I don't know. He's, he's, a, he's a gem. I mean, he's, he's one in my lifetime. I can't think of anyone that comes remotely close to him. I, I said at the end of, uh, the, uh, the docu-series, you know, for me, it's Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. Everybody else is four, five, six, seven, eight, and um, maybe people don't agree with that, but I, it, it, it just seems that way to me. Sarah, let's um, let's get back broadly in, into this and the idea that legends can now kind of take part in sharing parts of their careers or recreating parts of their careers in this new space. Can you kind of just take me through how you how you see that when you navigate this with partnerships? That's uh, a great question. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the, the world has advanced so significantly in such a short amount of time. Technology fundamentally changed the way that we engage with each other, um, you know, the way that we engage in our everyday life. And so, you know, Mark, with this work that he's done over the course of years with Michael Jordan, had access to content that has that was existing in a medium that was no longer accessible with the technical infrastructure that we have. And so the the investment that we're making in this program by digitizing all of these audio recordings, by unlocking this beautifully written script and hand, intimate handwriting of Michael Jordan, the content behind it, the visual representation of it, and elevating it into, you know, an NFT series and building out a digital ecosystem of experiences will enable us to take something that is truly human and really unique to the individual, the legend, and allowing a larger audience to tap into it and understand him and have, you know, a, a connection to it and to share with their communities. So we really see this as an opportunity for this legend to, you know, to elevate him even further, but to also democratize him to a larger audience that, you know, didn't get to be Mark and have a 20 year relationship with him and understand who he truly is. And we think that this is a, a really rare and special opportunity for technology to advance not only the legend, but those people that are so in awe of him to get closer to them. Sarah, to democratize to what point? Uh, where does scarcity fall into this model when you think about disseminating new types of products like this? Well, I think it all comes down to the role of the NFT and what you're trying to achieve with it. I mean, we see them being elevated and democratized in a number of ways where, you know, if there's a particular car brand, let's say it's a luxury car brand, and they can only sell their car to a very slim audience. How do you elevate that brand to those people that don't have the economic means to buy a $100,000 car, but could have an NFT asset that represents the brand 
and the design aesthetic that they are so in awe with. With Michael Jordan, I mean, there is a certain level of scarcity that comes with this content, but we also want the story to be able to reach a larger audience. So we're working through what those exact numbers look like to ensure that we maintain the the authentic, you know, relevant essence of who he is, but allow his legacy to live on with a larger audience and for the long term. Now, I would just add in one other thing. This is really a moment in time, right? I mean, much of what these NFTs will be was captured in 1998. And so we're going back and you're taking out, like it's, it's, you're literally able to go back and see who and what, what was he thinking about? What was going on then? Um, without, without the time lag of, you know, it, it, different things become unimportant as time goes by. But this was in real time. You know, these things were put together. And, um, and I think down the road, Michael will have, and I'm sure Michael and his team will have, you know, uh, a whole separate business depending on where um, the NFT business goes. But um, I just, the, the scarcity part of it is, is not just that there aren't going to be many. It's that you can't go back and capture someone's thought in, in, in real time. And it's, you know, almost a generation ago. Yeah, I, I thought the um, it's funny. I, I, I want to ask you about perspective since he's now being asked about things that happened 25, 30 years ago. And I thought one of the key elements that really took in the last dance was him being shown interviews of people's perspectives of that time and him literally laughing out loud at that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, As you kind of think through him retelling his own story, do you get the sense from him that, that his perspective has changed through the years or, or how does he kind of, how does he kind of view what, what he was doing back then? That's a great question. In the, in the, uh, in the documentary, the thing, the thing that jumped out at me was when he was playing, he was ruthless. He didn't cheat. He didn't do anything on, you know, he played the game by the rules all the way up to the limit of the rules. And it was about competition and figuring out a game within a game or multiple games within a game. And what I noticed when he was talking about, he was still brutally honest, you know, uh, about Scottie Pippen and about various other things. But I also felt that he, that time had softened him a bit in that the fact that somebody would say something about him that, you know, be perceived as negative. Um, used to not ever bother him when he was younger. You know, it's like, whatever, you know, game on. And I think that's what age does to you. Kind of, it, it softens, us, softens us up a bit. And it was very subtle, but I noticed that, you know, in that, in the documentary. And since I've been around him, you know, as he's, as he's, uh, he's, we have a, my, my only son and he share a birthday. So for 19 19- trading happy birthdays on, you know, Michael's birthday. And even that, you can see just how different, you know, give me a quick example. I think it was last year, two years ago. um, I don't know what was going on. My son was at college and and I forgot to send, you know, send a note to Michael. And Michael, a day later, says, hey, wait a minute. Didn't somebody have a birthday in your house? And I just thought, wow. 
You know, here's a guy with all of these things that he's dealing with every day and has the presence of mind to care, you know, about something that's not a big deal. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, I think that natural softening is happening to him as well. Um, Sarah, let me talk about future stars. Um, I'm sure shoe deals still really matter and television commercials still really matter and all those things that, that really, really made Michael Jordan, who he was really matter. We're also in a very different space. So I don't know, pick whoever you want, John Morant, Giannis, whoever you think are the next great greats that are playing right now. How do you kind of advise young stars who probably won't be Michael Jordan, but would like to reach stratospheres like that? How do you talk to them about branding and leveraging the digital marketplace? (laughs) That's a great question. I would say that, you know, branding in a new digital marketplace, like it's got to take a significant amount of consideration when you're, you know, investing in building experiences. I think the first step you need to think about is who is the audience that you're trying to connect with? What is meaningful to them? And how can you build an experience or a product or a service or a piece of content that is going to, connect to them and elevate their life and give them a better experience on their end so that they'll come back and engage with more. I think the more that you do that and you look for strategic partnerships that are aligned to your values as well, um, you'll be able to build content and partnerships and an ecosystem that will continue to exchange value between you and your audiences in a way that you know is right for who you are as an individual, but ultimately the brand that you want to be building in the future. How about, Mark, do you have any? Yeah. Well, and how about specific engagement? Okay. So Michael Jordan spoke through the media when he wanted to. There was no social media at the time. This is an open marketplace now where players can interact literally as much as they want to. How do you kind of think through managing a brand in an open source marketplace like that? Well, I think it's very difficult um, because it, it, here's a. Here's a way to look at, if you look at the stars in the NBA these days, I mean, Michael Jordan played 82 games almost every season, you know, barring one when he was hurt and he might've missed one game here, one game, one season or two games. These guys today play about 75% of the game. And I'm talking about the biggest stars in the league. And I think the digital demands, which didn't exist, as you pointed out, uh, in the Jordan era, I think all of this takes a toll on these guys um, because they're constantly wired. They're constantly in touch. And it's dollar signs, right? I mean, hey, if you tweet this out or if you do this or if you do that, and and they, it corresponds to an actual you know wallet, um, I just think that's too much to ask. And in the, the um, you know, I talked about this in the, in the documentary. I mean, imagine Michael Jordan and I and Danny Ainge and another writer, a Boston writer, went and played golf um, in the middle of a opening round NBA playoff series. Can you imagine if that happened today? No. <laughs> you know, and nobody was there. It's not like anyone thought it was weird or anything. It's just, so I, I think that pressure is just wearing these guys down. Um, and I think you'd have to be really, really smart and somebody's going to come up with it, a model where you literally take it from day one, the beginning of your career, middle of your career and how you evolve out of the career. 
the uh, you had golf the old baseball writers tell stories of drinking with mickey mantle after games so yeah. <laughs> completely different yeah. times yeah utterly different times all right sarah final thing um from you um are other legends dipping their toes in this now are they trying to figure out a way how do i extend my brand and and maybe reintroduce a new generation of fans to what i did yeah i mean i would say that there's a lot of kind of early adopters that are getting really excited about this space and what it can do i think there's a lot of people that are excited but cautious and are looking to see I mean, there's a certain amount of hype around NFTs that have happened over the last year or so, and it's really focused in collectibles. But the business community, and in particular, the blockchain and crypto community, see it as the incubus for what NFTs truly will evolve to be, which is a highly functional you know, token that will enable transformation for organizations to connect with audiences, to show clean supply chain practices to elevate ticketing experiences or fan experiences in the stadium. And so I think these legends, as you say, are looking to see how the collectibles evolve into something that's much more functional and then to think about how it can get integrated in their own personal branding and content experience that they would like to explore. Sarah Lent is the CMO at VSA Partners, and Mark Vansel is the CEO of Rare Air Media. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you for having us. On the next Future Sport Podcast, we may have reached 2.0 in the sports gambling media space. We leverage a lot of our own technology. We leverage uh, excuse rewards. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but you know, the fact is, you know, when you look at, I think, what people want out of a sports betting operator, we really provide the, the product and the access that I don't think anyone else can really match. That's Ken Fuchs, head of sports at Caesars Digital, where we discuss the type of content and outreach that providers are seeking now and whether newsmakers will be a necessary part of their verticals. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.